This is Spin Control, a Fibercraft podcast by a joyful girl. Everybody and welcome to episode 15 of Spin Control, Chaotic Organization. There hasn't been a whole lot going on in the last week, but I do have some updates for you to kick things off. To start with, Tour de Fleece, by the time I get this podcast posted, it will be the last day of the tour. I hope that everybody had a blast and met their goals. I totally did. That spindle never had a chance but I will talk about that more in my official update later. In other updates, I have a couple of new events that I want to talk about. For those of you in the local St. Louis or Metro East area, if you haven't already heard, the St. Louis area yarn shops are sponsoring a Last Blast Summer Yarn Crawl, and that will be held on Friday, July 30th, July 31st, and August 1st. And those yarn shops include... Hearthstone Knits, Kirkwood Knittery, Knit and Caboodle, Notorious, Knitty Couture, the weaving department at Myers House, and they have a lot of prizes and different things planned at each of those yarn stores. Again, that's for those of you in the St. Louis area, July 30th through August 1st. In addition, Big Hill Girl over on Ravelry asked me to announce the Studio 49 Retreat, which will be held October 22nd through October 24th. I'll have a link to their website over on the show notes, but it's basically it's their fourth annual retreat, and I'm sure that she's asked me to announce it so early so everybody has time to register. And she said it's about two and a half hours outside of San Francisco. So that is what I've got for updates for this week. So I guess it's time to get this podcast started. This week in Spin a Tale, I'm going to tell you the story about how one little session of sock mating led to an epiphany. An epiphany about my life. That little sock basket says so much about me and the way I organize and fill my space. So let's start out by talking about the sock basket. So I don't know exactly when it was, maybe when we first moved into this house, which was just over a year ago, I decided that it was a huge pain to sort through this giant glob of socks every time we did a load of laundry that had socks in it and end up with more unmated socks than pairs. So what I decided to do was use this little basket, it's a laundry basket that I have, and every time socks came out of the laundry, I would toss them in the basket. And once a week, I would actually go through the whole basket and mate the socks and put them away and sort them out and get them distributed throughout the family. And that should cut down on the number of unmated socks. Because throughout the week, I try to do one load of laundry a day. That way, I rotate through. A load comes out of the dryer, one goes into the dryer, and then a new load goes into the washer. So that way, I fold a load, put it away, and it's a very minimal amount of work, maybe 15 minutes a day, good to go. So each one of those loads, no matter the color, has socks in it. There's my husband's boot socks, everybody's athletic socks, the kids' pink socks. Pinks in my house have their own load. So this week, what I realized 
is that it had been a couple, two or three weeks since I'd actually made it socks because it's summer and nobody's really wearing them. I wear them to the gym and I wear them to work, but outside of that, nobody else in the family was really wearing socks. So I had this gigantic, like, ketchup basket of socks. I'd caught up on what I thought was all the socks and they're spilling over the side, falling under my bed. And what I realized is that this is kind of how I do everything in my life. It is complete chaotic organization. I knew where all the clean socks were. They're right there where they're supposed to be. However, the basket's in total disarray. That's how my yarn stash is. That's how my desk at work is. That's how my fabric stash is. My books aren't in that much chaos, except whenever I take them off, like I have this one little place on the table in the living room where I stack them up in their little bit of chaotic organization. So just folding that one load of laundry this week, I realized that I'm not a very neat person. I'm not dirty, but I know where everything is. And that's really all that matters to me. I can't stand it when other people put my stuff away. My mother-in-law can be very, very helpful, but I can't stand it when she does dishes because she puts things away in the wrong place. She loads things in the dishwasher the wrong way as well. That's really the only like OCD super neat freak thing I've got. Everything in our kitchen has a designated area. Everything goes a certain way in my dishwasher. But outside of that, I'm kind of a mess. But I know where everything is, and I can find it and use it when I need it. So I learned a little something about myself this past week, just playing with that one little basket of socks. And I did feel it was only fair to let you know that even though I had three weeks worth of clean socks in the basket, I still had 14 unpaired socks. Where do they go? And now it's time for spinning my wheels. In the past week, of course, I have been really focused on spinning because I really wanted to try to make that goal of spinning four ounces of fiber on a spindle. And I did it. I spun all four ounces by Wednesday, the Wednesday before the tour is scheduled to end, which is awesome. And it totally means that I get to move on to plying, which was not in my goal, but I'm going to get it accomplished. So that makes me extremely, extremely happy. I started plying and what I decided to do was ply the first ounce with the third ounce and the second with the fourth. So maybe there's some bit of resemblance between the two final skeins when I get done. I can't guarantee that's going to happen because there is a dramatic difference between like skein one and skein three. And I imagine that I improved quite a bit just moving on to the second ounce. The first ounce was so schlubby. I swear I almost didn't get it out of the little pretty little ball I had made because there was so much fluff and schlub in it that it was pretty crazy. The final yarn that I'm coming up with isn't bad. I actually like it. However, the only problem is that yarn is definitely not going to match the second skein when I ply ounce two with ounce four. But I don't think that really matters. I'm very, very happy with it overall. I love the colorway. This is actually the second time I've spun this colorway. It makes me very happy. And I'm proud of my accomplishment. I'm glad that I conquered the spindle, even though I ended up using, when I was reading Respect the Spindle, I was looking, you know, at all the different spindles. She has a million different kinds of pictures of spindles in there. And one of them is the toy wheel spindle. And that apparently is what my first spindle is. 
The only problem with it is that it's not super well balanced, so it doesn't spin as well as I would like or hold its spin. So that disappointed me. Now I'm plying on a heavier spindle that weighs about twice as much as the toy wheel spindle. But that is super well balanced. It's a little Louette spindle that I got for like $10 at a local yarn shop. And well, it's about two ounces, it's heavy, but it's super well balanced. It like spins forever, it's awesome. I'm enjoying it and for heavier yarns in the future, if I get the urge to spin on the spindle, that's gonna make me very happy. So that is my official Tour de Fleece update. And I really, really hope that all of you have enjoyed Tour de Fleece as much as I did. And I hope that you conquered those goals that you had set and that you too feel like a champion of spinning. All right, on to sewing. Didn't do anything again, but Tour de Fleece totally had me distracted. Totally. So I think that's a perfectly acceptable reason to not have sewn a single stitch. Okay, in knitting, I am progressing. So the hand spun socks, the heels are ready to turn. I got both socks completed to the same level and they're both ready to have the heels turned. As a matter of fact, I have four heels that are ready to be turned. Now I went back to the travel socks that were almost lost to the pups and I'm slowly but surely trying to knit as much as I can out of the one tangled ball. The one ball seems unscathed. The other is kind of a mess, but I think I can manage to maintain my composure long enough to knit through the heel and do like a little shorty rib cuff and just have them be low socks. Cause that, I decided that fabric is too soft and wonderful to abandon. It's awesome. I love it. If I could let you all feel it, I would, but I can't. So I decided not to ditch it. And if I can make it through that little short cuff, you know, just a low rise sock, then I'm going to be perfectly happy and I'll just throw the rest in the trash. So that happy little compromise. Also, I'm kind of on a mad race to knit up to the armholes on my husband's cobblestone. I just really want to be done with it. I want to accomplish it. And I, I know what the holdup is, but that's something for a future episode. But I really like, I'm trying to watch more television. No, not really. It's kind of, it really is TV knitting. I did get some of it accomplished last night at knit night, which made me happy. Um, the girls at knit night always pick on me because whenever I go, I don't really get a whole lot of knitting done. I look at the magazines that everybody brought. I fondle everybody's finished objects. I'll knit a couple stitches, set my knitting down in front of me and chit chat with everybody. And that's really how it goes every single week. When I knit more than like two rows on a sock, everyone notices everyone. They're like, Oh my gosh, are you feeling all right? You've knit a lot on that. Do you have a deadline? It's pretty funny. Knit night is my social time. Those are my girls. I love them. I think it's fantastic that I get to hang out with them once a week. I get sad when I haven't seen one of them in a few weeks. And I, oh, I love knit night. It's a great break for me. It's that guaranteed time when I get to see my knit girls and it makes me very happy. All right. I kind of got distracted. One of those little tangents, if you will. What else do I have going on? Ah, the other thing to end this segment, I'm going to talk a little bit more about my Christmas in July planning. One thing that I've actually, for a long time, I've been queuing and favoriting accessory patterns that I hope to knit for those Christmas gifts that we talked about. So if you check out my queue and my favorite list on Ravelry, you'll see tons of hats and cowls, primarily cowls. I think that's what I have queued and favorited the most. And in addition to trying to pick the patterns that I want to tackle, I've decided 
that I really, really do need to call my stash. I know I said I was going to do it during the spring clean, but it was too scary of a venture and, and I, I kind of failed. I avoided it. I made sure my bins were like stacked neatly and tucked away underneath the other side of my craft table, but I, I didn't go through it at all. I've got some stuff in there that every time I think about it, I go, ugh, I don't care how much that cost. Why did I buy it? So I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure the master bedroom is clean, vacuumed, and maybe like set a large king size sheet down. And I'm going to dump it all out. I'm going to go through every bit of my stash and organize it and sort out the things that are definitely candidates for the Christmas in July project. I have this yarn. It's, it's brown. It's a pretty color brown. And when I first bought it, I'm like, oh, that's really cute. It's kind of furry, like inch long tufts of fur. And I thought I can make a hat for my nephew. It was on clearance sale, like less than a dollar a ball at Michael's. By the time that I got it home and really looked at it again, I realized that each tuft of fur was about six inches apart on the stupid yarn. That is not going to make a good fur hat. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. I might make some crazy, like loosely knit scarf that some boy in my neighborhood will just probably love. It'll get tossed in the box for Christmas in July and somebody will love it and it will be out of my stash. So that's my plan. That's what I am doing. I am committing to Christmas in July and this is going to take off. And next week, I hope to report back whether or not I've actually accomplished any of those things that I set out to do. And with Torta Fleece Over, it shouldn't be that hard to settle in, call through my stash, and pick my next project. This week, I am all spun up about hand-knit socks. I know that seems a little ridiculous and probably a little obvious, but I'm all spun up about socks, not in the way that you think. I'm all spun up about wearing hand-knit socks. It's flip-flop season. I love flip-flops. I love to wear them anytime, like the temperature is above 60. Flip-flops make me very happy. But during flip-flop season, I often forget how much I like to wear hand-knit socks. Last night, I got home from work, made myself a little snack. It was pouring down rain outside and me and the girls had to pack up and go to knit night. And since it was raining, I decided that I was not going to wear flip-flops. I mean, it was like pouring, torrential downpours last night. It was awful. And after the rain stopped, there was standing water everywhere. So there was no way I was getting my feet wet. So I decided to wear my Danskos. And if you're going to wear the Danskos, you got to wear hand-knit socks with them. I am not a barefoot shoe kind of gal, with the exception, of course, of flip-flops. So I actually got to wear a pair of hand-knit socks that I've never worn before. It was the, um, um, the March Club socks that I made that made me super happy. But it was the first time I had the chance to wear them. And my feet were cozy and dry and warm in the freezing bread company last night. And it revitalized my love for hand-knit socks and wearing them. It'll probably be a while before I wear hand-knit socks again because it's currently 99 degrees outside today. But I was glad I got to revisit that and it revitalized my love and reminded me how I feel about hand-knit socks. And maybe that'll give me some motivation to finish the two pair that I've got on the needles right now. This week, 
I'm going to put my spin on the process of picking an ebook reader. I haven't picked one yet, but this is going to be another one of those try it before you buy it segments. You know how I feel about that pretty strongly, especially if you're going to spend quite a bit of money on the item that you're purchasing. Ebook readers seem to be difficult to pick. Now, if you are not already aware, manufacturers of e-readers are kind of in a price war right now. The two leaders, I believe, are the Nook by Barnes and Nobles and Kindle by Amazon.com. And those two actually lowered their prices, which is a shocker because I didn't think it would ever happen. I went to Barnes and Nobles to check out the Nook right around Father's Day because I don't really think I would use one for myself, but my husband is a huge reader and I think he might enjoy one because he actually gets really cranky when he doesn't have a book to read. But if he had an e-reader, he'd always have a book to read. And if he didn't have one like selected, he could just use the device to go buy a new one or download a free one, right? So they're really hard to pick. They all pretty much do the same thing. The price war helps. I mean, they've dropped like 60, 70 bucks. So that's pretty substantial. So what I've been doing in my efforts to pick an e-reader, one, looking at the book selection. That's pretty hard to do. There's millions of books, right? Now, the first thing that I did was I used my trusty iPhone that I love so very much, and I downloaded the Kindle app and the Barnes & Noble's e-reader app, and I searched two terms through those applications in their ebook stores. The two terms were free and 0.00. That's the prices for the books, to see who had more free books. And Barnes & Noble's hands down they sell only books, pretty much, primarily. They have almost a million free books through their e-reader. And I thought that was pretty amazing. But the, I believe the Kindle got priced down a little bit. And my husband seems to, to read like a lot of mainstream stuff. So, like Tom Clancy and stuff like that. So I don't know that all those free books will do him a lot of good. But we've talked about this in the past. I'm kind of a cheap ass. So I would really appreciate all the free books. And I'm not a huge reader. So I definitely would prefer to get a free book, hate it, delete it, and get a free book and like it and keep it. I'm not out anything, right? So that would be my preference. So I'm looking at both of those applications on my iPhone and testing the waters to try to see which interface I like better because it's pretty much going to be the same right? The way that you purchase books through the two interfaces is going to be the same on the Kindle app versus the Kindle itself. We've touched them, we've played with them, and I don't think I'm going to buy one. I know, right? Putting my spin on it. But it's hard for me to invest in a device that will only do one thing. Well, oh God, isn't that horrible to come from a knitter? I have all this stuff that I've bought just for knitting, just for sewing, just for spinning, right? But knowing that there are other devices out there, if there was one device that would knit, spin, and crochet, I would probably buy that instead. But knowing that there are other devices that I can use as an e-reader instead of purchasing just the one item to use as an e-book reader, meh. I mean, from what I understand, you can't even really surf the web or anything like that on there. I'm kind of leaning toward uh, investing in something like the iPad. Because then we could download the Amazon app and the Barnes and Nobles app and use that device 
for like a million different things. Plus, as an ebook reader, that's kind of where I'm going with it. But the price point is still a little bit higher than I would like. But knowing Apple, all I have to do is wait till next summer when they come out with the next version and the current version drops down in price, right? So that is me putting my spin, or trying to anyway, on picking an e-reader. It is that time again to close out another episode of Spin Control. We have done it. We made it to the end of this episode. And again, I found that focus and we don't have a wimpy little episode that's like 20 minutes. This should be another one of those hearty episodes. Feeling good about that. Doing a little bit more planning so I don't disappoint. This week, to close things out, I would like to ask each of you to make your suggestions, comments, share your thoughts on prospective patterns for the Christmas in July project. I'm going to start a thread over on the Ravelry boards, and I want to hear all about your favorite winter accessory projects. If you like it because it was simple and quick, if you like it because it was fun, if it's a favorite item that you've made like a million times, tell me about it. I want to hear about it. I'm hoping to churn out a ton of these things and stay interested in it all the way through December. So I'm hoping to get your help on that. I'll start that thread, and I bet you guys have a lot of great things to say, and I look forward to hearing it. Thanks to everybody for listening. To those of you tuning in for the first time, thanks for giving me a try. And to all my returning listeners, thanks for coming back. I really appreciate it. This week's song is going to be Grizzly Bear by the All Girl Summer Fun Band. As always, you can check the show notes at spincontrolpodcast.com, email me at ajoyfulgirlmits at gmail.com, catch me on Ravelry as a Joyful Girl, or follow me on Twitter as a Joyful Girl Made. Thanks again, guys. Talk to you next time. We all know that you can always do what you want, but if you know exactly what you want, you can always go and tell them to say, hey, Chris.